everyone, and welcome to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too, a podcast with me, Samantha, and him, Andy. Hi, Andy. Hello. (laughs) If you're new to the podcast, this is one of our shorter episodes where we will be both sharing a spoiler-free thing of the fortnight, and I will be revealing our summer-themed movie for next week. Oh, yeah. We're doing all summer stuff. and. Here, it's been over 30 degrees every day. Yeah. Um, that's Celsius for you Americans. That's um, It's hot for us. It's hot. I don't know. It's it seems here. very hot. But for the last week, we've been uncharacteristically <laughs> cold and rainy. Yes. And we're going to talk about summer stuff. And it's freezing out there. It's so rainy. Like a week and a half ago, it was 30 degrees. And now it feels like winter again. <laughs> so today, I just want some some tea and to curl up and watch a cozy movie but we're gonna pretend it is the height of summer again like it was a week ago (laughs) yeah and let's let's manifest that heat yes we're gonna manifest the heat (laughs) by setting this place on fire (laughs) well let's uh, let's just get going what do you got what's your summer thing of the fortnight um so my summer thing of the fortnight is an amazon prime tv show from last summer called the summer i turned pretty So it's based on a book uh, by Jenny Han, and this show, it's seven episodes, and it kind of depicts the summer of a girl named Isabel Conklin, who is about to turn 16 years old, and she's in that kind of in-between stage. I'm sure, Indy, you can remember from being a young girl, of when you just, like, suddenly are interesting to people, and um, you kind of stop being a little girl and become like a young woman oh like those many britney spears references we've made throughout the (laughs) life of this podcast not a girl not Not yet a woman woman. yeah so uh isabel goes to um cousins beach to spend her summer with her family and another family that they have been going to this beach with four years and she uh ends up in a love triangle she has her first love first heartbreak and one perfect summer oh well that's that's a good pitch i i want to watch this now because you know i do love my coming of age stories mm-hmm. that's and why i thought you'd like this one they tend to be summer related as mm-hmm. well there was that graphic novel i was pitching not too long ago that one summer right. kind of has that sort of feel to it. Summer is like a magical time. You go somewhere else, you're a new you. You exactly. can be who you want to be. There's a great Simpsons episode, actually, like when they used to do heartfelt episodes mm-hmm. still, that kind of encapsulates that too. Yeah, this was, um, I liked this one because I do distinctly remember that like shift between like kind of junior high and high school of where all of a sudden you're like, you're a big kid and you have like young adult problems. Oh, I thought you were going to say big kid problems. <laughs> yeah, big kid problems. And then problems. I was going to say, I don't know. I don't think any <laughs> big kid calls them big kid problems. True. Just me. <laughs> you put on your big kid pants. Go to your big kid school. Ready to go. Yeah. So um, this was actually a very beautiful show too because it does take place at a beach. And then um, there's also a little bit of Taylor Swift in it. Oh, so you know you're going to love that. Absolutely. So um, the second season is coming out on July 14th. So you have time to get all caught up. I'd say if you're looking for a coming-of-age TV show to watch, check out The Summer I Turned Pretty on Prime Video. 
And it's one season that's currently available? Yes. All right. And was this based on a book? It was based on a book. It's actually a trilogy called the same thing, The Summer I Turned Pretty. Oh, three books. It must be a long summer. Or it comes back the next summer. <laughs> I think it's three different summers. I've never actually read it. Hmm. I just really enjoyed the show. So, Indy, what's your spoiler-free thing of the fortnight? Well, I'm going to try super hard to keep it spoiler-free. <laughs> so I wanted to do something summery, and I have so many picks. I have great albums that really feel like summer, mm-hmm. TV shows, books. There's lots of good summer books, mm-hmm. lots of great summer movies, both ones that are all about summer, and then the, those big summer blockbusters. There's some good ones. But we went to the theater for only the second time in the last five years yeah. this week. And saw Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and I can't not talk about it. No. Oh, my God. It was so good. It was so good. We We, just, like, talked about it all the way home, too. And we're not going to give you any spoilers, so you can still listen if you haven't watched the movie. And I think maybe when parts two and three come out, maybe we can do a big episode on them then. Yeah, we can watch them all together. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll know that back on episode 118, 101 episodes ago, we did our longest episode ever, and it was on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Wow, that was a really long time ago. Yeah, it was a two-hour episode. (laughs) And you know what? We needed it. There's a lot to talk about in that movie, and there's a lot to talk about in this one. And because we're doing no spoilers, I'm going to talk very vaguely and I'm (laughs) going to talk about the ideas of the movie because I don't want to give away any plot points at all. So I'm not even going to talk about who's in it, which characters are appearing. And there's so many things to talk about. I don't know where to go, but let's, uh, let's just talk ephemerally. When I heard it was going to be a trilogy, I kind of knew what this movie would be about there's kind of there's a formula to trilogies right and this does follow that but i was never let down by the fact that it was kind of following a formula Mm -hmm. because each thing they did was surprising or if not surprising at least fulfilling in an appropriate way and the attention to detail in this movie is the thing that we can talk about the most without giving anything away because it is amazing mm-hmm. um, when you come to the art styles because if you're familiar with the old one this is an animated series of movies and it follows Miles Morales rather than Peter Parker although there's some Peter Parkers in there too <laughs> many Peter Parkers actually and this has to do with multiverse theory and there's all these different universes and all these different spider people throughout them. Or not even, all of them aren't even people. Right. Because we have Spider-Ham in the first one. Spider-Ham. And in that movie, it was awesome because we got to see these different characters and they would have different art styles to them. But in this one, we actually get to see some of those other universes. So we get to see the art styles played out on a much bigger scale. And that is fantastic. So I loved every single universe just being a different art style. And it was so cool. And I just imagined the designers and the like artists and everything working on like two minutes of this movie. Yeah. Over three years. (laughs) And I get to teach art often to Mm -hmm. kids and now when i talk about expressionism i'm not going to go to my my touchstones that i used to use i'm going to talk about this movie because (laughs) this does it in such a new and exciting way and with all of these movies 
especially Marvel movies or big IP movies, there are these long segments where you don't feel like you're really getting anything, or at least that's how I feel. Like maybe you're watching a big cool fight sequence and you're seeing something impressive, but you don't really learn anything about the characters. And I feel like in this movie, you can take any frame of the movie and talk about it for hours. You can oh, talk yeah. about the art styles. You can talk about characters that are present it in it. Yeah. You can talk about all the little references. If you're one of those Easter egg people, this movie will drive you crazy because there's so much to it. Mm-hmm. But not just that. It extends into the writing as well because every line of dialogue in every scene teaches you something about the characters or about the overall themes of the movie. And there are so many characters <laughs> and references in this. But when that's done in a lot of other Marvel movies or other big franchises, it often feels just like fan service and it mm-hmm. rings a little hollow to me. Like in uh, Infinity War, there was that scene where all of the female characters get together and they pose and then they go fight. Right. And you're like, yeah, girl power. But then if you uh, think about it for a minute, you're like, those characters have never met each other before. No. They've never had a scene together. And they don't just, know if they like each other. That's just kind of, it's pandering, it's pandering is what it is. Yeah. And it, it works in the short run because you're like, yay. And it kind of gives you that little boost. And then you forget about it in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. In this movie, you're going to see all sorts of characters and references that if you're a fan of all this obscure Spider-Man stuff, you'll be excited just because it's on screen. But it never feels like simple fan service because these characters have a link, a character-based link, a shared past, a shared history that's rooted in this movie, and it becomes something that's very fundamental and meaningful to the movie. And I'm not going to give anything away, but there's Mm. a very cool visual representation to that link they have. And it's kind of sad, but how it plays out in the movie is is impressive. Mm -hmm. And with a lot of movies, when you're doing sequels and reboots and you're seeing the same stories over and over i get sick of them yeah i'm kind of done with batman i'm on like the sixth or seventh spider-man of my lifetime already yes and it's too much but there's something that's just different about this movie it's reimagined in such a fresh way but still holding true to what makes spider-man interesting in the first place Mm mm-hmm it doesn't have that same reverence for its own material like something like Star Wars does. In Star Wars, when you say Skywalker, it's such a big thing and it has to be important and it has a prestige to it. Mm -hmm. And I feel that kind of bogs down those movies a lot of the time. And it doesn't seem like it's as formulaic as other Marvel or DC is with its material because you've seen that Batman origin story so many times and it doesn't really have new takes on it. And this doesn't feel the same need to honor its source material Mm -hmm. rather than holding it to this high regard that you can't change anything. It instead honors it by reimagining it and emphasizing what was great for that time and how we can bring that to a new generation and to a new audience and to a a, a whole new world, really. There were some moments, I don't think it's a spoiler if I say there's a lot of different Spider-Men in this. 
Yeah. Um, spider people. Spider people. Because sorry. they're not all men at all. Um, there's a lot of different spider people in this movie. And there were some that you saw that I didn't see. There were some that I saw that you didn't see. Yeah. Because you can't keep track of them no. all. No. <laughs> and on the way home, I went on a website that had um, some of the like cool, interesting new ones. And there were some like really amazing spider people that they brought out that are um, going to make a lot of people very happy, I think. Yeah, and we talked about in the first movie that there's so much inclusivity in this movie, but it never feels like tokenism. No. It never feels like they're just checking boxes of yeah. like, okay, someone in a wheelchair, someone's yeah. gay, someone's Spanish. They're, yeah. they're not just doing that. It is an incredibly diverse group of mm-hmm. not even people, creatures, <laughs> yeah. fighters out there, but they just happen to be diverse. Mm-hmm. They it doesn't seem, feel, yeah, like they're like, oh, somebody for everybody. Yeah, they seem to come from these diverse worlds and it informs who they are. Yeah. They don't need to tell you that they are representing this group. They just do it. Yeah. They just live their lives. And because everything feels like they have a, a, a shared past or they each have still a unique history as well. And that informs who they are. So it never feels like you're just checking boxes. Mm-hmm. And some of the things when we're talking about this realm of uh, diversity and inclusivity really blew my mind. And I can only imagine how much they would have meant to me if I had seen this movie as a child. Mm -hmm. So much. But rather than be upset that I never had these things growing up, we can just be happy that this exists now. And this is a movie for everyone, comic book fan or not. Boy, girl, anyone, everything in between, this is a movie for you. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to say that this comic booky, cartoony movie that's mostly about a 15 year old boy is for everyone, but this mm-hmm. is truly for everyone. In addition to all of that, there's these interesting themes of sacrifice and identity, the idea of how who you are can be defined by others. And fighting against that, not being relegated to just being one thing. But as they put it in this movie, like, why not both? Why can't I yeah, be both? Yeah, why not everything? And it's allowing personalities to contain multitudes, to not be defined so easily, to not be a token, to be so much more than mm-hmm. that. And with all of these great ideas, you might get caught up in the weeds of the multiverse or fatalism. And they do spend some time on that but they never get bogged down in it they never Mm. spend more time than they need to because the characters kind of just speak that language they exist in those Mm -hmm. worlds so we just accept it and move on somehow in this movie the idea that there are infinite universes is Mm. not the most interesting part of it yeah it comes down into the character work and similarly when dealing with really heavy emotional stuff they just speak that language it doesn't feel forced i don't feel like they're talking down to children because this is kind of a kids movie yeah basically i guess right because it is probably rated pg or g yeah there's no like adult thing yeah this is a movie for everyone but they just exist in a world where these complex thoughts these motivations are part of who they are so it seems so much more natural when those types of more complex ideas are discussed And if you're someone who's older, you might feel like there's a a generation gap to this movie. And Mm -hmm. there is, or rather, I think this movie bridges those generational gaps because we're not of this generation. (laughs) Yeah. 
We are Tobey Maguire Spider-Man's generation. Yes. That's our generation. Miles is not. Yet I feel more akin to him than any mm-hmm. other character. Or if not him, Gwen or Peter B. Parker or <laughs> the parents. There's just, again, there's someone for everyone. Yeah. And they, they, they speak to that. There's um an extended sequence where it's just Miles talking with his parents. And then his parents talk to each other about parenting. And somehow even this is so compelling. Mm-hmm. Because you feel like you know these characters. And once you know these characters, you are invested in them and you will love them. Oh. They're so lovable. With so many of heart. these characters. Yeah. And there can be some end-of-the-world supervillain going about doing his stuff, or it can be his parents learning to give their child more space and freedom and Mm -hmm. struggling with that. And both of those ideas are equally well thought out, and they deserve equal weight because to these characters, they have equal importance, Mm -hmm. right? Because Miles is their world for the parents as parents. Your child is your world. And then their child is going through these like kind of world shattering <laughs> problems. And it's all given equal due in this movie. And that is a hard, hard balance, I think. And they pull it off. Mm-hmm. So I think I might leave it there because we would start getting into plot. And I don't want to give any plot away at all. I know. I feel like I'm not saying anything because I'm not. I didn't prepare anything to talk about this movie, and I'm so scared about giving away spoilers that mm. I haven't like said much. <laughs> and I'm just trying to tiptoe around yeah. things. And when it comes down to it, all I'm saying is this is one of the most visually amazing movies mm-hmm. ever made. And, and then you also get all this extra yeah. stuff and like touching and just like absolutely amazing. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. I think the first. Into the Spider-Verse, maybe the best comic book movie ever ever made, mm-hmm. in my mind. It's yeah. top three for sure. And this might be top five of all time. Wow. Maybe it's number two. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to watch it again because there's so much to take in when you're watching it. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe we should just leave it with saying yeah. part three is coming out in less than a year. Yes. And I can't wait. March 29th, 2024. And after seeing this one, I wanted to turn around and go buy a ticket just to see it again. Yes. And I can't wait until we can watch it at home and pause it every 30 seconds and like really look at everything that's in this movie. There's so much to look at and so much to talk about. We'll probably do a full episode on it in some point. Yes. But maybe after the third one comes out. Yeah. That sounds good. So go check out Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse in theaters right now we don't often do that no we're never cutting edge we never go to the theaters no we don't and we don't like watch a lot of the big movies that go to the theaters no you're you've become an indie darling just like me yes that's me (laughs) no that's me you are indie my darling (laughs) (laughs) and uh go check out episode 118 where we talked all about the first spider-man into the Mm spider-verse Well, last week was Canadian content. Now we're going to do all summary things. Mm -hmm. Oh, when we were talking about Canadian content, I did watch a bunch of old Kenny versus Spennies. Man, they're hard to get through, a lot of them. Because I was saying like, yeah, it is terrible stuff, but sometimes there's great stuff. But the terrible stuff, woo. 
really it's overwhelms rough. it. Yeah. <laughs> I only watched a couple of episodes, but the villain guy is like a real piece of shit. It's <laughs> it's quite impressive that they make you cheer for the other guy. Wow. Huh. <laughs> but anyways, we are going to do summary things. So Sam, what is your big summer watch for next week? Um, okay, so I like gave you a hint yesterday. Yeah, you gave me a hint that it has Dennis Quaid in it. Yes. And of course, I went to the movies that I would think about for Dennis Quaid. I liked that movie he did with Topher Grace, which is called In Good Company. Okay. It's not a very popular movie. He was in The Day After Tomorrow. That was a big movie. He played Doc Holliday in a movie. He's in Any Given Sunday, gang-related, that dragon movie I think he did a voice for. He was Jerry Lee Lewis in Great Balls of Fire. And I thought maybe you wanted to do Jaws 3D, but that doesn't seem like a movie you would pick. It's not Jaws 3D. Probably not The Rookie, although it's a baseball movie, and that's a summary thing. (laughs) Okay, do you want to know a little bit more about it? I think it's one of two movies. Okay. Because I thought about Dennis Quaid, and then I thought, what would Samantha pick? What what are your two picks? Wasn't he in The Parent Trap? Yes, he was. So The Parent Trap, that uh-huh. would be one. And I haven't seen that, so I'd be excited to see that. But also, they remade Footloose. Oh. And he's in that. And I know you wanted to do some classic dance movies, and uh-huh. you haven't seen Footloose, so I thought maybe you got mixed up and picked the wrong Footloose. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Okay. So we are going to be watching the 1998 family comedy, The Parent Trap. Oh, it is The Parent Trap. Cool. Um, this movie also stars Natasha, Natasha Richardson, Elaine Hendricks, and Lindsay Lohan playing both twins. Do you know much about The Parent Trap? I do. Well, not really. Because The Parent Trap is a remake, right? Yes. Um, it originally uh, was made in 1961. Um, and it's based on a book uh, called Lottie and Lisa. Oh. And this movie was the remake. And it uh, did incredibly well. And uh, it had a $15 million budget. And it made $92.1 million. Whoa. Is this Lindsay Lohan's like breakthrough child star moment? Yes. Or did she do other stuff as well? This is her film debut. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh, that's a big debut. She's quite young in it. She was 12 and she plays both twins and she does an incredible job, I think. So my understanding of this is they're twins and their parents are divorced yes. and they're trying to like get their parents back together yes okay that that's the extent of my knowledge okay. um so the only thing that you're kind of missing is that they don't know that the other person exists oh and they're gonna meet so and they that's gonna divorced be fun. each took a twin and that was it that's a weird thing to do yeah yeah <laughs> that's pretty fucked up actually um to not tell your twin child that they have a twin right um so yeah so that is uh what we will be watching and i'm very very excited to hear what you have to say i'm excited i think this is going to be just an enjoyable watch i think this will be a fun one and it takes place um partially at a summer camp so i thought it was the perfect summer movie do they meet at a summer camp yes oh cool cool and it's a disney production right it is a disney production yes so it's available on disney plus 
your local library or to rent in the usual places like YouTube and Prime and all those things. So did you watch this as a kid? Yes. And you loved it, I'm sure. I loved it. I think I saw it maybe like five years ago, five or six years ago. Again. Again. Okay, I thought you meant for the first time. And I was going to say like, that's not a kid. You'd be in your 30s. No, so I I think I saw it again. And then um, I haven't seen it in quite a few years. And we know that I have zero memory for films and television. Right. (laughs) I'm excited. And... If I am going to predict something, I'm going to predict I'm going to like it. I think you're going to love it. I love a good, fun kids movie. Mm -hmm. I love hijinks. Mm -hmm. I feel like there might be some hijinks. There's some hijinks. And if it's a Disney production, it's going to like have quality directors and actors behind it. So I think it's probably going to be pretty solid. I am excited to hear what you have to say because I think this film is super fun. And I think that a lot of people thought it was fun as well. And it was directed by Nancy Myers, who we have covered in the past with... um, Did we do a Nancy Myers? I don't know that we did. She Who did... did that movie where... That lady fake cries for a long time and it's supposed to be a joke. I hated it. Jack Nicholson was in it. Something's Gotta Give. Right. Um, Yes. So she did Something's Gotta Give, The Holiday, It's Complicated, The Intern, What Women Want. Oh, man. Father of the Bride, Part 1 and Part 2. I've seen a bunch of those and I hate them. (laughs) Oh, no. Although Father of the Bride, I think that was good. So maybe when she does family movies, I'm all over it's it. It's like better. But like something's got to give. Well, we did a whole episode on that. We you did. can go yeah, listen to that. Yeah, you can go that. back and listen to the it. The holiday and there's something else he said that was pretty rough. Oh, what women want? Yes. Oof. Yeah, that was a rough one. Oof. But I think those are all just bad scripts. I think so. And she's not the writer. This is adapted from something else. Maybe she wrote this screenplay uh, as well. She co-wrote the screenplay. Okay. Um, but she also directed this. So we'll see what you think after you see it. <laughs> I like Dennis Quaid. Yeah. I can't think of who Natasha Richardson is. Lindsay Lohan is actually like a huge blind spot for me. Oh. I don't know her work as a child actor much at all, but I hear she was very good. Mm-hmm. She's very, very good in this. She does a British accent too. Oh, one of them's British? Yeah. Perfect. Are they... Oh, I was going to start asking questions. No, that's all I'm going to tell you. What I would love is if they are both like very different. One is like all posh and British and one is like, oh, I'm just a farm girl. And I would love if they try to trick their parents and like take each other's places. I love when twins do that. It (laughs) happens in cartoons and like kids TV shows that I used to watch. That's a great bit. And I assume the parents are going to get together at the end and it's going to be all happy. And then the twins are going to be best friends. So, you know what? I'm already excited. Let's go watch it. Excellent. Okay. Well, we are watching 1998's The Parent Trap. If Lindsay Lohan isn't in it, you're watching the wrong version. And we will see you next week when we find out if Indy loved this movie. (laughs) And if you remember it. If I remember it. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. married to liam neeson so is her daughter that keeps getting like abducted and then he has to go is that a true story i'm pretty sure that's a biopic (laughs) it's a biopic about liam neeson i think so i don't think so i'm pretty sure like his daughter just keeps getting abducted (laughs) you'd think after the first one
They don't. They don't have. Stop a daughter. taking her. <laughs> Why is everyone taking her all the time? Or maybe it's different people. People keep getting taken from him because there's at least three of those movies. Isn't there like seven? There's Taken. There's Retaken. There's Oh No Taken Again. <laughs> and then Double Take, which is him and his twin. And both of their daughters get taken. They both get taken. So him mm-hmm. and his like country. Twin. I think it's after four takens that it's on the daughter. It's her fault. Yeah. Why? That's what I'm saying. Why are you getting taken so much? I feel like just you, stay home at that you point. You learn after the first one. <laughs> if you get taken four times, that's on you. It's too many takens. Yeah. <laughs> you get took too much. I think taken five is she done got took again. 